There is a melancholy song that I like by a band with a strange name, The Flaming Lips. The song is called Waiting for a Superman. Listening to it often reminds me of Good Friday, when Jesus hung from the cross dying, along with his followers' hopes for a savior. The refrain of the song goes like this. Is it getting heavy? Well, I thought it was already as heavy as can be. Tell everybody waiting for Superman that they should try to hold on the best they can. He hasn't dropped them, forgot them, or anything. It's just too heavy for Superman to lift. I imagine the disciples must have felt absolutely bereft on that dark Friday, not just because they'd lost their best friend, their teacher, their leader, but because they'd also lost their hope in a future that would be different and better than the one they now faced without Jesus. Huddled in that upper room, hiding from violence, it certainly was getting heavy. Because they thought Jesus was their Messiah, the one sent to save them from their Roman oppressors and to restore the Davidic kingdom. Like the crowd gathered on Palm Sunday, they expected a savior whose triumph lay in conquest and in power. They were waiting for a superman. I must admit to feeling discomfort when I am asked to explain why God would need a son's death to expiate the sins of humanity. A morally unblemished scapegoat to stand in for us and take our punishment. Theologians call it substitutionary atonement. I've never had a good answer, and I'm often afraid of being asked. Last year, when I was in Long Beach, while leading our Sunday school kids in a children's station of the cross around the church, I worried that some precocious upstart would stump me with that question. Why? Luckily, it didn't happen. Instead, we talked about all the instances along the stations of the cross where Jesus modeled relationship for us, even as he was being led to death, when he meets his mother, when he comforts the women, when Veronica wipes his face and Simon of Cyrene carries his cross for a while. Even in those darkest moments, Jesus was creating community. On a side note, I have to say that kids can actually take a lot more gruesome detail than we give them credit for. They were transfixed when I explained how some scholars believe Jesus actually died of asphyxiation. He may have suffocated because of how his weight pulled his body down so that his arms yanked on his torso, constricted his lungs, and made it hard for him to breathe. I had worried that this might be a little too much for the kids, but they were fascinated and asked all kinds of follow-up questions. Maybe kids can handle death better because most haven't had as much first-hand experience as some of us older folks. Though I can't quite explain why Jesus had to die for us, I can say something about what Jesus thought it would get us. The answer is salvation and eternal life. But how? 
while I could never work out the mathematics of substitutionary atonement, at least not in a way that I could explain it with integrity. But here's my best answer for today. Jesus gave his life as an example of how far God is willing to go to show us how much we are loved. Julian of Norwich, in a passage from her Revelations of Divine Love, a part of which I read last night, has a vision of Jesus. And Jesus tells her, It gives me greater happiness and joy and indeed eternal delight ever to have suffered for you. If I could possibly have suffered more, I would have done so. Such love is almost obscene in its bluntness. And Jesus' life and death are revolutionary not because he came and conquered the Romans, but because he was willing to be conquered, to model how love, service, humility, and vulnerability are the only antidotes to this world's violence and death. Salvation will never come from wealth and power. It can only come from relationship and, yes, from self-sacrifice. So when you follow Jesus, prepare to have something in you conquered too. Christ did not promise happiness, but he did promise accompaniment. Remember, I am with you always to the end of the age. It is perhaps tempting for some of us to rush to the joy of resurrection, leaving behind the uncomfortable desolation of Good Friday. But there's something to be learned at the foot of the cross. God suffers with us. Come, passion, to suffer with. Jesus looks down at you from that tree on Golgotha with an expression that says, this is how far I'm willing to go with you in your sorrow and in your own pain. I don't know how that translates into eternal life. But I do believe it opens a doorway that can lead to salvation. What if Jesus had been like Superman? Broke free of those nails, jumped down from that wood, busted the heads of the Roman soldiers, and saved Israel. Honestly, I think that Jesus would be harder to embrace. A man of hard edges and sharp angles. We Christians could then worship strength and power, holding God in awe, but it would be at arm's length. Instead, because Jesus stayed on that cross to the bitter end, we find salvation and strength, not from caped crusaders or conquering armies, but from the voice that whispers to us in our moments of despair, Take heart, I am with you always. Even after the resurrection, Jesus bears the marks where the nails had been to remind us of his compassion. I believe in the resurrection. But I think some of us feel more at home on Good Friday than we do at Easter. Because like that flaming lip song, the heaviness of our world's troubles leaves us longing for salvation. And we fear our burdens have become too heavy for God to lift. After all, Easter comes every year, but our suffering remains with us. The salvation of Easter can be hard to process for those who live afflicted. So we continue to wait for release. I believe in the resurrection. 
Those disciples were found by Christ in their locked rooms and embraced, forgiven, and strengthened to take on the heaviness of the world. They created communities of faith, and we are their descendants. I believe in the resurrection, some days more than others. But frankly, I find it easier to believe in the salvation of the cross with its powerful example of love, its promise of relationship and companionship. For me, embracing a cross feels more tangible than gazing into an empty tomb. So for those of us who can't always grasp the Sunday glory of Easter salvation, we tighten our grip on the cross of Good Friday and hold on the best we can. Amen.